Uh, so last week, you guys remember, we talked about a um, mastodon, right? We talked about, um, I was walking down the street, and I found this random fossil, and uh, when I picked it up, I was like, well, that's kind of peculiar-looking rock, and so I happened to have a teacher uh, that had a friend, so it was a friend of a friend, that was a paleontologist, okay? And this paleontologist took the fossil out of the goodness of his heart and went and inspected the fossil, and it took like three months till he got back to me. But the reason why it took so long was he was going from museum to museum, comparing with other skeletons and other like, other, uh, like fossils to see what type it was. And it came back as a mastodon. And I didn't know what that was. Um, come to find out, it is in the elephant category. It's a prehistoric type elephant. And um, it was just interesting because uh, the, way, the reason why it took so long to find out was because he was going from museum to museum and really just trying to figure out what it was. And, and we kind of looked at that's how scripture is sometimes. Like sometimes when it's isolated, it can be very confusing. You guys ever experienced that where you, you run across a scripture and you're like, man, that doesn't make any sense. But if you were just to look around and compare and observe, um, that you could really kind of figure, figure out what type of scripture it was. Um, so in order to know and understand scripture, it's important to know what context it's in and what context it's not in. And, la and then um, we also learned that holiness has no what it has nothing to do with. We said when God said be holy, he wasn't saying avoid sin at all costs. He wasn't saying shoot for perfection. He wasn't saying stay preserved. You guys remember some of this? Uh, he wasn't saying holiness is a destination, and he wasn't even dangling a carrot of holiness out in front of us, telling us to be more holy. Um, and we also learned that that word holiness uh, is synonymous with the word sanctification. So those, those words are used interchangeably all throughout Scripture in the New Testament and all, and all sorts of different translations. You can see that that word over and over and over again, it, holiness means sanctification, sanctification means holiness. Now, I, did I give you guys the definition of holiness? No? Look, um, and I have bad news about that. Uh, because I decided last week that holiness has nothing to do with sin avoidance, I decided we're going to wait one more week to tell you what holiness is. All right? Just one more week. So hopefully you can wait one more week, and I do have to tell you what it actually means next week, because next week is the last week. So if I don't tell you what holiness means next week, you may never know what holiness is. So, hate to tell you. Um, but uh, we did open with a scripture last week. We're going to use that same scripture I've told you. Um, it's 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I'm holy. So instead of telling you what holiness is, Right? Instead, of, instead of me giving you the definition of it, I, um, I have another question today that I want to ask is, why would Peter say such a thing? Right? Like, why would he tell us to be holy? And not just any holy, but as holy as God. Right? Because, in other words, like, why would he give us this single, like, fossil scripture? Oh, don't worry about it. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, y'all. Everybody's worried about me. Don't worry about it. I'll just go with this, okay? Okay, thanks. Not worried about the pack. Um, but why would he give us this holiness-like scripture, right? Why would he do that? Why would he set us up? Um, was it because he thought it would be really funny to torment us? Um, I will say the command to be holy and as holy as God does seem overwhelming, doesn't it? It seems like, man, that's a task that I just don't know if we can, we can get to. Um, 
But that's how I think the paleontologists felt when I gave them this fossil-like scripture, or when I gave them the fossil, I guarantee the paleontologist was just overwhelmed. Like, here's, here's this random fossil, and go ahead and check it out and figure out what it, what it is and where it's from, and he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Um, but I, I will say that two tools that paleontologists use, and that's, that's a tool that we can use as scripture to understand scripture, um, two tools that paleontologists use um, to understand fossils is observation and comparison. Observation and comparison. And I picture the paleontologist, right? Like I tried to picture in my head what, what this was doing. He was, I, I picture him with like a magnifying glass and he's like looking at it real close and he's, he's trying to observe it, he's trying to understand it. And then he's also comparing it to other fossils. He's stepping back and he's looking at the greatness uh, of these skeletons and he's trying to figure out, okay, I think if that was that, it would be right there, right? And that's what I want to do with scripture. That's what I want to do with this scripture. I want to step back, I want to observe, and I want to compare. So let's take a closer look at 1 Peter 1.16, where it said, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Anytime we see the words, For it is written, know that the writer is using it to add emphasis or to support their argument or teaching. In the New Testament, the only writings they had at the time was the Old Testament. And now I know it was called the Torah and all this stuff, and we can get into those um, conversations later. But the entire Bible wasn't completed until 96 AD with the book of Revelation. So when Peter said, for it is written, the truth is he was actually quoting from a well-known Old Testament verse, and it was Leviticus 11.44. We're going to read that, 11.44 in Leviticus. Okay, it says, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Hmm, everybody go, hmm. It's interesting, right? This was Moses way before Jesus came speaking to the Israelites from God and telling them, yes, be holy, separate yourselves. He was saying, be different than other countries around you. And that's still God's desire for people, for his people. Ever since the fall of man, Adam with Adam, God has always wanted everyone to become holy, but, and that's a big mastodon bottom, okay? The difference between holiness commanded in the Old Testament and what's found here in Peter is that God has already made us holy in Christ. He has already set us apart and saved us. So this is in your notes, I believe, but Old Testament holiness and sanctification was a command for the Israelites, God's people of the day, and New Testament holiness or sanctification is a result of what Jesus did. I'll say that again. Old Testament holiness or sanctification was a command for the Israelites, God's people of the day. New Testament holiness and sanctification is a result of what Jesus did. So when it says in 1 Peter, so be holy in all you do, Peter's just encouraging us to make choices to reflect who we are. I'll switch over to New American Standard Bible. It says, be holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct. Be holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct. The expanded version says, but be holy in all you do. Be holy in all you do, your behavior, your conduct, just as God, the one who called you, is holy. So conduct is the same as behavior, right? Behavior is the same as conduct here. Like if you look at different translations, they're, they're meaning the same thing. Conduct and behavior are synonymous. So here's a couple rhetorical questions. Right, you know what rhetorical questions like? I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you guys to think about it for a second while I tell a story. Okay, the first question I want to ask is, does our behavior or our conduct define us? 
Does our behavior or our conduct define us? Basically, are we defined by our behavior? Are you and I defined by our behavior? Now, we've been talking about Peter, the Apostle Peter, right? You guys like the Apostle Peter so far? He's okay, right? Um, I want to introduce to you another Peter, okay? This is Peter Parker. Does everybody know who Peter Parker is? Okay, if you don't, I'm sorry. We'll pray for you after service. But Peter Parker uh, was Spider-Man, okay? I know that that was supposed to be a secret, but he is Spider-Man. And... Um, if you watched, I'm talking about the series that was like in the early 2000s that had Tobey Maguire in it, which is who the actor is there. Um, but in that series, um, Tobey Maguire, there was the first one that had the Green Goblin. You guys remember the Green Goblin? He was pretty cool, right? He's kind of crazy, but he was cool. And then after that, there was Dr. Octavius. Um, and then after that is when they kind of introduced Venom, okay? And Venom was this, I'm just giving you the history of uh, Peter Parker, but Venom was this alien-like uh, species that would attach itself to things, and it attached itself to Peter Parker, right? And it turned his suit all black. That's why his suit looks black and not red. But what's interesting, and what I hated about the third one, was there was this weird part where he's walking down the street, right? It was like the weirdest scene in all of the um, all of the Spider-Mans, and like he just thinks he's like way cool. He's got like black eyeshadow for some reason. He's got his hair all slicked back. Like he just looks weird, right? And he's just like, cha cha, and he's like hearing this music in, in, his, in his ears, and I don't know if it's real music or if it's just in his head. Then he walks in this restaurant, and he like makes the band turned into this like jazz club, and he's like like using his spider stuff to like shoot everywhere and turn chairs and all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And I say that to say that was Peter Parker not Peter Parker anymore? Was he not Peter Parker? Was he still Spider-Man? Was he still Spider-Man even though he was acting strange? Right? He was still Spider-Man. He was still Peter Parker. Uh, and in that same way, just because our behavior doesn't line up with our holiness doesn't make us any less holy. You understand? Um, no, Peter the Apostle is just saying, don't forget to allow your holiness to affect your behavior. In other words, we are already whole people. And when we don't allow holiness to affect our conduct, we are acting untrue to how we were designed. It is ill-fitting. How many of you guys have heard verses in the Bible about ill-fitting? We're not going to take our time to go there. Um, but I will give you the definition of the word ill-fitting. It means of a garment of the wrong size or shape for the person wearing it. All right, so this is a hat. Everybody knows what a hat is, right? Um, and there is a reason I don't wear hats. Okay, this is probably on one of the, the last notches, okay? Uh, it's like the store lids. You guys remember the store lids had all these fitted caps? I don't walk into that store because when I put the hat on, it looks like this, okay? I look weird, right? I look different. And most people will say, like, you look weird. In fact, every time my wife sees me wearing a hat, she says, take that stupid thing off. <laughs> you look weird, right? You look strange, okay? And verse 15, all Peter was saying is when we don't reflect good behavior, sometimes we look strange, right? You're holy. He's saying, be holy in all you do. He's saying, take that bad behavior off. You would look so much better when you're not wearing something that doesn't reflect who you already are. And last week we said it's not up to us to make ourselves holy. And if you think that, it's a big pile of Mastodon dung. You guys remember that? See, I think most people can agree. I think almost everybody can agree 
that we have a form of holiness and that one day when we get to heaven, then we will, be, then we will fully be holy or we will be holy, holy. But to think that we are now fully holy or holy, holy right now seems kind of crazy because we still mess up, right? We still make mistakes. And so it's confusing. But just because we act untrue to how holy we are doesn't mean we are any less holy. And if we behave true to our inside, does doesn't mean that we are more holy. Do you guys understand that? So I'll say it again. Just because we act untrue to how holy we are doesn't mean we act or we are any less holy. And if we behave true to our inside, it doesn't mean we are any more holy. It just means we are allowing our holiness to affect the outside. Have I told you what holiness is yet? No, good, okay. The second question for us today, and I believe that the second question is just about as important as what is holiness? I believe that this is just about as important, okay? And that question would be when are we made holy or sanctified? When, the question of when are we made holy? Okay, when are we sanctified? And you might say, Matt, I don't know why we're asking these questions. I think it would be fine if we just all went to heaven one day, and then we're just like, we find out, like, hey, Jesus, was I holy on earth, or was I not? Like, I think you're making a big deal about this whole holy thing, right? I think you're, you're thinking too much about it. Suzanne Dudjeva, everybody knows who that is, right? The most, said the most painful questions are left unanswered. Suzanne Dudjeva said the most painful questions are left unanswered. When are we made holy? is a question we can't afford to leave unanswered. It would cause people to draw strange conclusions. Okay, it would cause people to draw strange conclusions. It'd be like, uh, when is the far first car ever made? Okay, I used, to, I used to ask myself that. I used to think I knew. And how many of you guys, raise your hand in here, how many of you believe that the first car was with Henry Ford made in 1914 that was the Ford Model T? Does anybody believe that in here? Anybody? Ford Model T. Everybody's like, I don't even know what the Ford Model T is. Okay. Um, so I used to believe that, okay? I believed that it was that car. And, I, and every time I'd see that car on the road, I'd be like, man, that's the Ford Model T made by Henry Ford, 1914. It goes through the same thing, right? I told my kids a couple years ago, I saw it driving. I was like, oh, man, there's the Ford Model T, da, 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 right? And I'm telling everybody. I don't know how many people. I've, I've probably told 100 people. How many, I don't know if I've seen 100 cars like that. But I've seen a lot of cars, and I've told a lot of people that that was the first car ever made. But actually, the first car ever invented was 144 years before that. In 1769, the first steam-powered automobile capable of human transportation was built by Nicholas Joseph. Steam-powered automobile. Looks pretty cool. 1808, Hayden Wichtit designed the first car powered by an internal combustion engine that was fueled by hydrogen. Okay, that seems like a dangerous car. I'm glad they've upgraded but it was fueled by hydrogen. In 1885, Carl Benz developed a petrol gasoline-powered automobile, and this is also considered to be the first production vehicle as Benz made several other identical copies. Yep, he looks like he's having a nice time driving in his Benz with his top down. Um, he, um, finally, it wasn't until 1913 that the Ford Model T was created by the Ford Motor Company five years prior became the first automobile to be mass-produced on a moving assembly line. And by 1927, it had produced over 15 million Model T automobiles. So yes, the car is forever changing and improving, but to say that the car began in 1913 with the Ford Model T is an incorrect statement. And here's what I'll say is just because we are growing and maturing as believers, it doesn't mean we are still being made holy and sanctified, okay? 
So when are we holy? I can answer that question. This next verse is basically God speaking through Paul, and it's in Acts 26, 18. It says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. It says, those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, I'm a have been. Go ahead, look at them. Now, I could tell some of you didn't do it, so I'm going to give you another opportunity. And I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, you're a have been. There you go. Yep, you're a have been. Okay. I didn't say has been, so don't say that. All right. Acts 26, 18, it says, those who have been made holy by believing in me. It's that simple. Right? And as the old hillbilly would say, if we have been, then we is. Did I give enough country twang? If we have been, then we is. All right? If we have been made holy, then holiness is not something we need to work on. The fact that the word says made takes away us out of the equation. Do you understand that? Like if we've been made, if we've been made, it takes us out of that equation of the process of being made. Right? It's kind of like this. Like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if this illustration applies, but I, I've had a lot of people walk up to me over the years. Usually it's in a grocery store, and they're like, um, they're, Excuse me, like, and this is the question they'll ask me, because I wish it was a different question, but like, How did you get so tan? <laughs> right? And I never really know how to answer that question. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, well, I've been working on it for 39 years, you know, like, it started when I was young, and there's been a process. Or imagine if I was going to the tanning beds. Like, oh, I go over to L.A., and I get the tanning beds. Like, it's a weird conversation to kind of start out with. So first of all, try not to be that person. Okay? Secondly, if you're wondering, it's French-Canadian. Okay? Just to answer the question. Some of you are like, I never even thought he was tan, so cool. Um, but I say that to say I was made this way. Okay? I woke up like this. All right? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. So when did holiness happen? When our eyes were opened. When they turned from darkness to light. We woke up like this, y'all. Right? The next part said that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. When did we become holy? When we received forgiveness of sins. You don't take forgiveness. Right? Have you ever walked up to somebody? I'm going to take my forgiveness from you now. That would be weird. You don't make forgiveness. You receive it. An inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. If you have received forgiveness of sins, you have been sanctified. Received forgiveness of sins equals sanctification or holiness. Right? Sanctification and holiness is a byproduct of receiving forgiveness of sins. And if there was a bottle of medicine, okay, and on the front it said sanctified or holiness, you would read the label on the back, and it would say take one pill forever called forgiveness of sins. Holiness is not something we are trying to become. It is a place we are working from. Now, how many of you guys remember 2020 as the quarantine year? I mean, that's how I'm going to remember it. I hated it. It was, it was boring. Um, trying to figure out how to exercise from home was brutal. I hated it. Um, 
But during, during quarantine, we all worked from home unless we were like, is it essential? We were like essential as if the other ones aren't essential, but we were essential to go out and go work. And there was a couple days where I'm like, well, I, I feel essential, so I should go out and come up to the church and work. <laughs> Got to do something. I'm going crazy trying to work from home. I felt less essential at home, less productive. Um, but we weren't trying to work from home. We weren't striving or kicking or screaming or looking or hoping or heading towards working from home, right? We weren't heading towards anything. We were already there. So when do we become holy? When we receive the forgiveness of sins. No, don't keep striving for holiness. Just walk in it. See, for a lot of years, okay, for a lot of years, I was given fossil-like scriptures, right, that left me wondering where people would say, look, I mean, it's not enough just to receive forgiveness. That's just the starting line. Now it's up to you to maintain your holiness. Now it's up to you to work on your holiness and to keep that holiness. I was given scriptures like that by well-meaning people. So I spent tons of time, right, trying to transform myself into being more like him, trying to be holy. How many of you guys tried that, right? It's like, well, I mean, I want to be transformed in the image of his dear son. So if I have that capability of renewing my mind to the point that I'm going to do it, man, I'm going to study scripture. I'm going to spend time in his presence. I want to be holy. I want to be like him. But when we, are, when we are trying to become something we already are, we will put way more work into something with no progress. It's similar to um, the treadmill. How many of you guys know the treadmill? Anybody ever seen, been to the gym and you see a treadmill and you see people running on it and you're like, man, that looks like a lot of work, but they're not going anywhere, right? <laughs> Same with the rower. I couldn't, I couldn't get a treadmill over here. Hopefully I can do this with one hand. We'll see how it goes. I just wanted to make it a little more difficult. So we got to do that right. Yep. Okay. So make sure these are all good. You know, it takes work to get somewhere. Right, so what I noticed about the treadmill and what I noticed about this uh, rower is it's like, no matter how hard I try, right? Let's say just row. So no matter how hard I try, right? Like I'm moving, well it says that I've gone 10 meters, but I'll tell you, it sure doesn't look like it, right? <laughs> I mean it says, oh wait, it says 30, I'm up to 30 now. And sometimes, I mean, you could get at like a steady pace and you're just kind of rolling, right? Or like you could really get after it, okay? <laughs> Haven't worked out in like a month, so this is going to wear me out. But this is what it looks like when you're trying to work for your holiness, okay? Man, you're doing a lot of work. Oh, my gosh, this guy is looking holy right now. <laughs> but you're not, you're not getting anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And that's what I'll say about this whole deal is you can try all you want, but holiness, we don't have anything to play, right? If we were made holy and we don't have any work, to, there's, nothing, there's no work that we can do. There's no amount of work. Sorry, I lost my breath. There's no amount of work <laughs> that we can do. Where's the keyboard guy? We can have him come up now. I should have drank water before, not coffee. Um, it doesn't matter how hard I try. I'm not moving anywhere. But it's an impossible task 
to strive for holiness. And the question is, is why? We have already arrived. The reason why is because we've already arrived at a destination. Because of scriptures like, as he is, so are we in this world. Right? We can't be any more holy than we already are. And here's what I'll say that maybe not everybody's going to agree with, but we are at the pinnacle of our holiness. We're maxed out. Like, we're not going to get any more holy. Basically, it's not a work in progress. How many of you guys have heard that? I'm a work in progress, man. I'm working on that holiness. I'm, 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 working, I'm working on it. And you might say, well, Matt, where does that leave us? Right? We don't have anything to strive for. Exactly. Exactly. Stop striving and start being. Start just being holy. Like, you already are there. You don't need to strive for it. Because as he is, so are we. That's why we can say things like, I have the mind of Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. Um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. It's in the message. It says, are you tired? I'm tired. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Some of you guys are trying to figure out, like, I want to gain this life, right? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting ill fitting, on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Paul said, in him, we live and move and have our being. And here's what I'll tell you is God couldn't live in us and we couldn't live in him if we weren't already holy, if we weren't already sanctified, okay? He wouldn't make his way or make his home in a halfway house. God wouldn't. He, he's, he completed it. Over and over and over, can you read that word that he's completed us? We are complete in him. He... He's made us complete, and complete includes holiness. We can't get any more holy, and good news, we can't get any less holy. But Matt, I like DIY holiness. Sorry, there was a contractor that was hired for the job, and he was the best carpenter ever. And there's nothing that you could do to take away from that. The job was finished, and you had nothing to do with it. You don't get to DIY it, and good news, you don't have to either. Holiness was provided at forgiveness of sins. Um, I'm going to tell you this last little story, and then I'll close. Um, move this guy back. So uh, when, when my oldest, Zoe, was little... Um, we lived up in Ohio, and um, I would, sometimes we'd go to the store, because when you live in Ohio, that's kind of the only thing you do in the winter, right? It's like, what do you want to do? Well, we can go to the store. It's got heat there, so that's what we should do. So we'd go to the store. Even if we didn't buy anything, we'd just go, you know. But anyways, that's, that's my bitterness towards Ohio. Moving on. But I would push Zoe into the toy section, okay? My wife always thought I was crazy um, because she, she could never tell her no, but I would over and over, like, let her play with a toy and then put it back on, let her play with a toy, put it back on, let her play with a toy, put it back on. I would distract her, sometimes for two hours, right? 
But when she started to notice, like as she was getting older, started to notice that this was like a thing that he does, she would say, I'm all done, right? <laughs> and she would say it like real cute and like kind of quick, and she'd go, I'm all done. And I'd be like, okay, okay, so we'll start heading towards the front, right? And then, I, so I knew that was the cue. So it's about two hours in, I start heading to, towards the front. She looks at me, she goes, I'm all done. I'm like, I know, so we're, we're, we're going to check out, and like I'd get in a little self-checkout, self and like I said, that was the only thing to do, so there's tons of people on the checkout, because everybody in Ohio goes to the store, so we're standing in this self-checkout, and she goes, I'm all done, Daddy. I'm like, I know, like I, I get it, I'm, I'm hearing you, we're, we're almost done, we have like three, three more to go, and then we'll be out, and then she just goes, I'm all done, I'm all done, I'm all done, I'm all done, I'm all done! And all the people, you should see them, their eyes were like this, and they're just like looking at me. And I go, I guess she's all done. <laughs> and they all laughed like that too. They're like, Ooh. so then I say that to say that I don't know that God is trying to say that, but I believe he did say that when he said, it is finished, right? Like he's all done. And I think sometimes, when he sees us working so hard and striving so hard and trying to sanctify ourselves and make ourselves holy and doing what we can do and, man, we're sweating and we're going after it and we're studying and we're trying to get and transform and be renewed and da-da-da-da, right? He's like, I'm all done. I'm all done and you get to be all done too. Like, stop, right? And I think that's how God is. Like, he's just like, I'm all done. I'm all done. And I say that to you this week, like, as we go throughout our week, like, when you're thinking about, like, man, I need to, I need to, right? No, he's all done. Like, now we just get to enjoy his presence and get to have a conversation with him. And we don't have to try to do all that stuff. Because sometimes we forget so much about the relationship because we're so focused on trying to be, right? When if we just realize, hey, we already are, let's just walk in that. Let's walk in the truth of who he has made us. He wouldn't hold anything back from us. He gave us his holiness. We're walking in that. Have I told you what holiness is yet? Next week, all right? Why don't you guys stand up with me? We're going to pray, and we'll dismiss. You can lift your hands with me if you want. Father, we just thank you, God, for just speaking to us this morning. God, I thank you, God, that you're saying things to people in here beyond what I'm saying. And I thank you, God, that you are showing each one, God, how holy we are, that we've been removed from the process, that it's not an ongoing process, God, but the moment we received your forgiveness of sins, God, you have made us holy, and not just any holy, but as holy as God. Now we just get to allow you to work out of us and God, we, we thank you, God, for each one that's in here, God. I thank you, God, you give us wisdom and help us to have understanding. And thank you, God, that as we look to you, we know, God, that you're giving us strength to overcome, that you are the overcomer and you live on the inside of us. Therefore, we get to overcome too. We trust in you. We thank you, God, for your spirit and your wisdom. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen.